Hey, y'all, how's it going? I'm Scott Horton. It's my show, The Scott Horton Show. I'm here on the weekdays, noon to 2 Eastern Time, Liberty Radio Network. I think during the break, I'm going to try to climb up on the neighbor's roof and fix his vent cap thing. It's one of the spinny kind, but it keeps click, 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 clicking. And you know what I think? I think it's just a tiny little piece of aluminum needs bending the other way, and it'll be fine. Right? It's a pretty big two-story house, though. I don't know how the hell I'm going to get up there. No obvious trees, I think. Anyway, well, the thing is loud, man, and it's windy outside, and so it's loud. Now I have to close the window, and it's so nice out. Anyway, I'm Scott Horton. It's my show where I sit around complaining about the government because, I don't know, I, you could say it's something wrong with me, but I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's because my values are so wonderful and the government is uh, evil. And no, that doesn't mean that every single person who works for the government is an evil person. It just means that the whole thing is evil. That shouldn't be that hard to accept. Was every single person that worked for Mao Zedong's government in China under communism an evil person? Of course not. Mao was. <laughs> and all his best friends and everything. And, you know, the army captains. And, oh, yeah, there were plenty of evil people during Mao's regime. I'm not saying that. But was the entire regime made up of entirely evil humans on every level? No, of course not. Regular people. But the system itself. See, that's the point I'm making. The government. You know what they do is they hold guns to people's heads and then oftentimes also uh, pulling the trigger and blowing out the people's brains. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you want to shout slogans and worship pieces of cloth and whatever, then... You know, it's got something for you. Just not security like they promised, that's all. Alright, man, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't look like people are gonna answer me back. I didn't even send out that many emails. I really gotta start setting up Friday show on Thursday, cause I spend all, uh, Friday morning with Ernie. And then, uh, I don't set up a Friday show very well. Maybe just, maybe just, maybe we'll hear from Doug Bandow or a couple of the others I've invited here, but we'll see. But it's all right either way because I got tons of news. Tons of news. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm kind of having trouble figuring out where I want to start. Let's start with good news today, guys. Can we start with good news? Today's the day. Right? Wait, is today Friday? I think today's the day that supposedly the IAEA is going to come right out. In fact, let me search Twitter real quick for IAEA and make sure anything breaks in here. Um, now, these headlines don't really help much. I did see a thing this morning that said it's expected out today. And... The thing of it is, we already know what it's going to say. 
that the Iranians are in compliance. They were already in compliance with the Nonproliferation Treaty and their safeguards agreement with the International Atomic Energy Agency, and now they're in compliance with the additional protocol of the safeguards agreement, all the subsidiary arrangements and agreements under the uh, safeguards agreement with the IAEA, and plus they have scaled back their nuclear program and expanded inspections to every uh, every degree detailed in the deal. They've shut down any actual uh, nuclear enrichment going on at the COM facility, uh, otherwise known as Fordo. They've shipped all their excess uranium that, well, they they converted as much as they need to fuel rods, and they shipped all the excess out, and it was only low enriched, not weapons grade. It was only low enriched 3.6%, but now it's not even that because now it's in Russia. They got rid of it all. Uh, they have certified that the core of the Iraq reactor has been basically neutralized, filled with concrete, and they're going to redo it and make it a light water reactor that will only produce plutonium that is so polluted that it will be impossible to make a nuclear bomb out of it. That's the point of a light water reactor. It still has waste, but its waste cannot be used for nuclear weapons, and they don't have a reprocessing facility anyway. But anyway. Um, and then uh, they've closed the file. They've already closed the uh, possible military dimensions file, even though you know Gareth Porter showed that uh, it wasn't good enough for the truth, it was good enough for, you know, the political purpose here of closing the file and saying all the questions are answered there. Parchin's been expe- inspected. There was no explosives chamber. They didn't bother going out to Maravon because they knew the Israelis were making all that crap up in the first place. Um, that's it. We're ready to lift the sanctions. Let's do it. And, you know, by the way, F, the government of Iran and the Ayatollah and their elected leadership and anyone who works for their state. They're not all evil, you understand, but their state is. The system itself is. And the only reason I sometimes sound like an apologist for Iran on this show is because I'm an apologist for the truth. And on the nuclear issue, the Iranian evil regime of death and dishonesty has been telling the truth and they've had nothing but a civilian safeguarded program this whole time and everybody said otherwise was a damned liar and all these so-called evidence against them that they were making nuclear weapons or had a nuclear weapons program is all a bunch of manufactured nonsense every bit of it um that's no apology for them that's just reality science Math and evidence and, you know, space-time and things. So, there you go. I'm perfectly happy to accuse the Iranians of, for example, being as evil as George W. Bush when it comes to what they've done in Iraq. You know, their policy in Iraq this whole time was help George Bush lie you into it so that they could get rid of Saddam Hussein and so they could break off Iraqi Shia stand for themselves. And they used George Bush like their tiny little bitch in order to accomplish it. All of you who chanted, no, we, we can't uh, uh, leave now or else the violence will get worse. We have to stay in order to protect the people. All you were uh, simply the accomplices of the Ayatollah Khomeini, whose uh, plan was to send Ahmed Chalabi 
to tell the American Israel first neoconservatives whatever they needed to hear in order to tell George Bush that, yeah, let's invade Iraq. It's going to be great. So they could be rid of Saddam. And uh, in that civil war, that really America, the American regime and the Iranian regime were bir- virtually equally responsible for the uh, El Salvador option Shiite war to kick all the Sunnis out of Baghdad, and uh, which ended up, you know, with hundreds of thousands of battlefield deaths, a million people plus uh, died from the overall deprivation and everything else. And then, of course, you know, the second order consequence, you want to start counting the rise of the Islamic State and everything else. There's all that, too. Uh, so I'm perfectly happy to accuse the Ayatollah and the Iranian regime for all of their evil there. And in fact, I love this article because it's hilarious and tragic and compelling in so many ways. It's just something else. I'll say it a million times over again. It's how Chalabi conned the neocons. Ahmed Chalabi, the guy who led all the Iraqi exiles who came up with all the weapons of mass destruction lies. And, well, not all of them, but much, <laughs> most of them. Um, and you read that article. It is in Salon.com, but it's written by this guy from the Financial Times from a long time ago who does a real good job on it. How Chalabi conned the neocons. Read that during the break, and then I'll see you here in just a few. If you can hear me over your own laughter by then. You hate government? One of them libertarian types? Or maybe you just can't stand the president, gun grabbers, or warmongers? Me too. That's why I invented LibertyStickers.com. Well, Rick owns it now, and I didn't make up all of them, but still. If you're driving around and want to tell everyone else how wrong their politics are, there's only one place to go. LibertyStickers.com has got your bumper covered. Left, right, libertarian, empire, police, state, founders, quote, central banking. Yes, bumper stickers about central banking. Lots of them. And, well, everything that matters. LibertyStickers.com. Everyone else's stickers suck. Hey, I'll check out the audiobook of Lou Rockwell's Fascism versus Capitalism, narrated by me, Scott Horton, at audible.com. It's a great collection of his essays and speeches on the important tradition of liberty. From medieval history to the Ron Paul Revolution, Rockwell blasts our status enemies, profiles our greatest libertarian heroes, and prescribes the path forward in the battle against Leviathan. Fascism versus Capitalism by Lou Rockwell for audiobook. Find it at Audible, Amazon, iTunes, or just click in the right margin of my website at scotthorton.org. All right, y'all, welcome back to the show. This song's kind of an inside joke for you Discharge fans out there. But I guess you know that. For the rest of you, you don't get the inside joke because you're not Discharge fans. That's your problem. Oh, don't! I screwed up here. You know, sometimes I don't do the right thing, even when I'm trying to. Let me see here. D apostrophe O-H exclamation point and send. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's my show. Um, mostly I complain about foreign policy, but uh, right now is uh, the time where I praise my advertisers on the show because, hey, they deserve it. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you about this book, Immigration, Individual versus National Borders by David Hathaway. It's uh, pretty much brand new out. It costs three and a half bucks at Amazon.com. It's a... Yeah, what do you call those things where it's like a mini book? A monograph. It's a monograph, you could call it, on uh, the subject of the Austrian School of Economics and its leaders' various treatments of the immigration issue. As you may know, a lot of Austrian school libertarians are kind of statist on the border because they say something like, well, 
that's what a private property anarchy would look like, and so let's have that or something. So anyway, uh, yeah, David Hathaway's not buying it, and he uses praxeology, that is logical argument, from uh, the Misesian premise that man is an individual and man acts, premises, I should say. Uh, and then he goes from there, and he's nice. He doesn't name names and fight with people or whatever, but he uh, gently refutes those uh, Austrian school libertarians who support closed borders under our current circumstances. The foreword is by me. The blurb on the back is by the heroic Will Grigg. So you know it's good, man. It's really good. And if you're a closed border libertarian, then uh, I think this will challenge you. And if you're an open borders libertarian, then I think this will help to inform your viewpoint. So how about that? Okay, cool. Also, uh, read The War State. It's a great history of the rise of the military-industrial complex after World War II by uh, the great Mike Swanson, who also does uh, the great investment advice at WallStreetWindow.com. Uh, the Future Freedom Foundation sponsors this show, of course, uh, Jacob Hornberger and his merry band over at FFF.org. There is, um, of course, uh, NPV Engineering, Christopher Smith at MPV Engineering. Uh, this is high-level stuff. You know, he basically can design the factory you're building. And that's the kind of project that he works on, these high-order projects. Uh, anyone who's, you know, any kind of construction contractor on that level who could possibly figure out a need for his services, let him know, would you? Uh, it's It's got to be a small percentage of my audience who actually might be able to use his services. But those of you who fit into that category, eh, help me out by doing business with him. MPVengineering.com. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, Liberty.me, where I do two shows, uh, the Jeff Tucker show and uh, the Jacob Hornberger show there. Hornberger every Thursday, except for last night. Hornberger every Thursday, uh, Tucker every other Tuesday, except for last Tuesday. But otherwise. Um, and then uh, there's Master Samurai Tech, MasterSamuraiTech.com. Uh, if you guys don't start patronizing MasterSamuraiTech.com, I am going to be taking classes at MasterSamuraiTech.com so I can get a job where I can make some money and pay my rent. And uh, what he does is he teaches you how to repair all the fancy, new, high-tech, uh, large-scale appliances, the new front-loader washers and dryers and refrigerators and these kinds of things that the old repairmen don't know how to replace because it's all in the software or they don't know how to work on it. It's all in the software and, and uh, the microchips and this and that. And not only... Uh, does Scott Brown at Master Samurai Tech teach you everything you need to know in order to uh, do this, but he'll also teach you how to set up your own business and run it from now on. Be your own boss. And uh, so anybody looking for good work, looking to make your own way in the universe, um, sounds like a good deal to me, man. MasterSamuraiTech.com. Go and check them out. I might end up in classes with you. Could be a lot of fun. LibertyStickers.com, of course, most of them, not most, or I don't know, yeah, probably most of them I made up. The the better the slogan and the worse the art, the more likely it's one that I came up with uh, at LibertyStickers.com. Uh, but most especially, 
if you got a band or a business, you should be patronizing the bumpersticker.com. That's uh, the other side of the company, the original name for it. The bumpersticker.com, that's the printing company. Every time I go in there, man, those printers are on high-speed printing money, man. And um, any possible use that you could have for stickers. Uh, die cuts for the door of your business, uh, you know, for the glass or for the back of your truck or uh, even industrial labels for your warehouse or whatever it is, man. Uh, the bumpersticker.com, they got great prices on printing in uh, high volume and high quality. It's all high quality digital photograph quality printing of whatever size. So it's not like the old, you know, two or four color screen printing where you get, you know, an outline of something. It's, these are digital photographs printed on stickers or whatever size and shape you need. That's the bumper sticker.com. Um, and then, uh, oh, RRBI. I love these guys, man. That's who I was just saying doe to in the email there. Uh, I screwed up when I sent them the thing. Uh, Robertson Roberts Brokerage Inc. Uh, Tim Fry and his people over there are really great. And they not only support this show, but they support the Liberty Radio Network and they support Free Talk Live and I'm not sure who all else, but, uh, they support antiwar.com. Uh, they're really great, man. They're, they're an essential part of our movement right now, I think. And, uh, and doing a lot. Uh, I mean, if you're like me, don't you daydream about if I had a lot of money, what I would do to help support the libertarian movement, the peace movement, etc. That's what I think about. If I won that Powerball, oh man, the projects I would bankroll, you know? And not even give a damn. I wouldn't commit suicide. I'd be happy when I was broke at the end. I wouldn't give a damn about that. Um... Well, apparently, so that's the thinking over there at our RBI. It's like, hey, wait a minute, man. Here we are running a successful metals brokerage firm. We ought to be supporting those who believe in peace and liberty, and then, blam, they do it. And so then what that means is those of you who get to consume this media for free, but you need metal, you get it from them. Right? You consume this media for free, you need stickers, you go to Liberty Stickers. You go to the bumper sticker. You need engineering done, you go to MPV. You need gold, silver, platinum, palladium, you go palladium, you go to rrbi.co. rrbi.co. And they run a tight ship over there. They've been around for 30 years. They make tiny little profits. You know, I don't know, they don't low price guarantee or what, but they're absolutely competitive with the best brokerage firms in the world. Guarantee it. And they will take care of you. All right? Good. Thanks. We'll be right back with bad news after this. Hey, all Scott Horton here. It's always safe to say that one should keep at least some of your savings in precious metals as a hedge against inflation. And if this economy ever does heat back up and the banks start expanding credit, rising prices could make metals a very profitable bet. Since 1977, Robertson Roberts Brokerage, Inc. has been helping people buy and sell gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. And they do it well. They're fast, reliable, and trusted for more than 35 years. And they take Bitcoin. Call Robertson Roberts at 1-800-874-9760 or stop by rrbi.co. Hey, y'all. Scott Horton here for WallStreetWindow.com. Mike Swanson knows his stuff. He made a killing running his own hedge fund and always gets out of the stock market before the government-generated bubbles pop, which is, by the way, what he's doing right now, selling all his stocks and betting on gold and commodities. Sign up at WallStreetWindow.com and get real-time updates from Mike on all his market moves. It's hard to know how to protect your savings and earn a good return in an economy like this. Mike Swanson can help. 
Follow along on paper and see for yourself. WallStreetWindow.com. All right, you guys, welcome back. I'm me. Uh, one more thing real quick about my advertisers. You could be one, and I'll cut you a great deal, man. And, uh, yeah, the more advertisers, the better. So uh, if you got a business or you're a member of some kind of group or something like that, you think maybe you'd be a good fit for sponsoring the show, let me know, scott at scotthorton.org. And, um, by the way, also at scotthorton.org slash donate, uh, you can find out about all the great kickbacks you get. You get a silver QR code commodity disc if you donate 100 bucks. Uh, you get an audio book if you donate 50. You get an endless number of audio books for the rest of your life if you donate 200. Uh, find out all about that stuff at scotthorton.org slash donate. And uh, especially thank you again to all the monthly subscribers and and uh, regular donors to the show there. Okay, um, you guys want to do calls? We could talk politics. There was a debate last night. Did you subject yourself to the Republican debate? I guess I have things to say about it if you want to hear me talk about that. I got a bunch of other bad news. I got an interesting story about Chuck Hagel, the former Secretary of Defense and Senator before that. Um, and eh, some other things to talk about. But anyway, if you guys want to call in the show, the number is 512-271-4836. Uh, comments, questions, obviously open topics, uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, Libya, Syria, Iraq, uh, Russia, China, Guantanamo Bay, NSA spying, the cops, uh, whatever you guys want to talk about, man, all that stuff's open. Ask me questions about things that you think I don't make sense on or whatever it is. Uh, 512-271-4836. 512-271-4836. And then, man, my notes are terrible today. I need to fill this in here. Um... Yeah. So, uh, let me page down because what I want to talk about was Hegel here. So Chuck Hegel was the kind of, uh, realist, centrist, um, uh, establishment, I guess, you know, Rockefeller type Republican. He's from Nebraska and, uh, opposed the Iraq war surge, although I think he supported the war in the first place. And Obama made him secretary of defense. And you might remember the beginning of 2014, um, there was a huge fight because the neocons basically completely freaked out. Uh, that is, you know, the right wing vanguard of the Israel lobby in the United States. Uh, the neoconservative movement completely flipped out over Chuck Hagel because he's slightly reasonable on Israel issues sometimes or something like that. So they made him out to be the world's worst anti-Semite and they tried to just you know, attack him over everything. And it was actually kind of a cool thing because they lost, and it was an important loss for them. They also lost over trying to push us into war with Syria in uh, August and September of 2013. Oh, it was 2013, wasn't it? That they had this big fight, not 14, over Hegel. Sorry. But anyway... And then they failed on the Iran deal. So that was three good losses by APAC in a row. And hopefully we can build on that. 
But um, anyway, point being that uh, he was confirmed. He was the Secretary of Defense for a little while, and then he was drummed right out of there. And it was leaked from, I think, both sides at the time, the administration and from uh, his people, if he had any, maybe just him, that the reason he was leaving is he was frustrated over America's Syria policy. And namely, he didn't know what America's Syria policy was. (laughs) The Secretary of Defense of the American Empire, right? The civilian leader of the Pentagon could not get a straight answer out of the President of the United States about just what it was he was trying to accomplish here. And it's funny because Hegel, he's not a man of principle. Again, he's a centrist, right? He's not the world's worst right-wing, you know, former commie, now right-wing neocon loon. But he's saying, you know... It was totally irresponsible to call for Assad to leave office. Because when you're the American president and you say Assad has to go, well, now you have to back that up. And that was always a bad policy, Hegel said, adding, quote, Assad was never our enemy. Why would we do this? We have allowed ourselves to get caught and paralyzed on our Syrian policy by the statement that, quote, Assad must go, quoting Obama. And he's saying, you know, this is just terrible. And then he compares it to Libya and Iraq and says, what what in the hell are we doing here? But then he goes right on to say, hey, when Obama put a red line on the use of chemical weapons, of course, he does not dispute who used the chemical weapons. Uh, That's a different argument. I think you guys probably mostly are already familiar uh, with what I think is certainly the most plausible explanation, the Seymour Hersh explanation of a Turkish al-Nusra false flag attack. But anyway, um, Hegel says, so then Obama puts a red line and says, well, you better not use any chemical weapons. No, I'm not going to actually get rid of them unless he were to use chemical weapons, in which case that would be a red line, and then I'd have to do something about that. And then, as Hegel told the crowd, I think that did hurt the credibility of the president. When a president says something, it means something. To make those kinds of pronouncements and not follow through affects the credibility of the president. So, in other words, to be perfectly clear here, Chuck Hagel would be for mass murder of innocent people, a bombing campaign against the secular Baathist regime that could have very well led to a real victory For Al-Qaeda and or the Islamic State, oh, well, the Islamic State hadn't really broke off from Al-Qaeda at that point yet, Um, back in 2013. And he would have been willing to risk all of that in order to protect the credibility of the office of the presidency that if the president makes an absolutely ridiculous and stupid and insane, as previously detailed by the same guy, threat, that he's got to follow through on it in all cases. It doesn't matter how stupid is the thing he said, right? Here he's saying Assad was never our enemy. It was wrong to call for regime change. He doesn't exactly say it was wrong to draw the red line, but same argument, right? If you're against the regime change, then you're against drawing a red line. But once that red line is drawn, once a president uses a phrase like, I'll attack you if you use gas, then he has to attack. Of course, never mind that the president does not have the authority 
in the American constitutional system to start a war. Now, I don't care how many different times you've heard people say, oh, yeah, the War Powers Act says the president could start a war for 60 days. No, it doesn't. It says he can defend America from attack for 60 days. But by then, you ought to be able to get Congress together. It says if he wants to start a war, he absolutely must get authorization from Congress. That's why Nixon vetoed it, and that's why Congress overrode his veto with super-duper majorities in both houses in 1974, right? 73, when they passed the War Powers Act. Everybody loves to misquote that thing like they've never read it. It's a page long. Anyway, um, so I just think that's kind of interesting. Hegel just, you know, this is what happens when Chuck Hagel says things out loud. Jeez, doesn't really make much sense, guys, to call for regime change in Syria. Here I was, the Secretary of Defense, thinking, geez, regime change Syria, huh? I don't know, man. Now we're bound to that policy just because you said it. That's pretty stupid. But then <laughs> he flip-flops right over. Yeah, but once you threaten to bomb somebody... Over chemical weapons, you better fall through. But then what was the solution? The Russians got Assad to agree to give up everything he had. That wasn't preferable to war? And besides, Congress refused to authorize it because the American people refused to authorize it. Don't you get sick of the Israel lobby trying to get us into more wars in the Middle East? Or always abusing Palestinians with your tax dollars? It once seemed like the lobby would always have full-spectrum dominance on the foreign policy discussion in D.C., but those days are over. The Council for the National Interest is the America Lobby, standing up and pushing back against the Israel Lobby's undue influence on Capitol Hill. Go show some support at CouncilForTheNationalInterest.org. That's CouncilForTheNationalInterest.org. Hey, y'all, guess what? You can now order transcripts of any interview I've done for the incredibly reasonable price of two and a half bucks each. Listen, finding a good transcriptionist is near impossible, but I've got one now. Just go to scotthorton.org slash transcripts, enter the name and date of the interview you want written up, click the PayPal button, and I'll have it in your email in 72 hours max. You don't need a PayPal account to do this. Man, I'm really going to have to learn how to talk more good. That's scotthorton.org slash transcripts. All right, y'all, I'm Scott Horton. It's my show, Scott Horton Show. I guess it's y'all's fault, man. If you're not going to call in, 512-271-4836, 512-271-4836. Forty-eight, thirty-six. then I'm going to talk about politics. Politics. So, first thing I want to talk about politics is the uh, same thing I already said a million times. I don't think Hillary is electable. I know Hillary thinks she's electable. And I presume that the people who run the Democratic National Committee and the whatever the Democratic Party leadership, that they are, one, terrified of her, and two, have probably convinced themselves that, geez, she's a pretty strong candidate and she's the strongest candidate we got. And yet, if you put her up against Jeb or Trump, I think she loses. Maybe she could beat Jeb. But I think Trump will hand her her ass. Because he'll be able to flip-flop right back to the center, no problem, uh, in the general. And he has shown a willingness to make accusations true or otherwise, that no other politician on that level would dare to make. He, you know, um, 
maybe some of these guys. Oh, good. There's a caller calling in. Hang on one second. I'll be right with you. Uh, there are some of these guys who might crack a joke in a stump speech about how, you know, oh, Hillary's got some legal trouble or whatever. But Donald Trump is, his line was something just the other day. Yeah, she's lucky to not be in the penitentiary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I can't see Jeb using, you know, Brad Hoff's discovered Hillary emails on Libya against her. I could imagine Trump saying, oh yeah, go look it up in the email. She knew she was fighting for Al-Qaeda in Libya. It's right there. And then what are they going to do about it? It's true. It's right there. I got the emails right here, in fact. C O five seven seven nine six one two. C O five seven eight two four oh one dot PDF, buddy. So anyway, I think that and she is so corrupt. She has so many skeletons in her closet. Never mind, you know, Bill Clinton and his girlfriends and so that has nothing to do with it. There's a million things that he could just absolutely crucify her over and has shown that he's willing to do it. And um so you know, I don't know. I think that Sanders ultimately would be a stronger candidate to face the Republican in the general. That's no endorsement of him. I'm just saying. Uh, she has such negatives. And I think the people who ignore that are, they're basically, I think, just lying to themselves. I mean, her negatives, have they ever been lower than 45% since, you know, 1992 when the American people first met her? I don't think so. Anyway, hey, I'm Scott. You're on the air. How's it going? Hey, Scott. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. Thanks for calling. Uh, I wanted to get your take on uh, this seemingly rise of uh, the Lib Puritan Aryan or whatever that's been happening lately. A lot of uh, li- so-called libertarians, anarcho-capitalists, kind of going, turning into real bigots. Man, I don't know. Have you noticed uh- um, honestly, man, I, I guess I don't pay close enough attention to the movement. I, you want to be more specific or give some examples or something? Well, I guess, uh, you know, Christopher Cantwell and like, uh, Stefan Molyneux and people just bringing up race and, you know, you know, starting to talk about closing borders and stuff. And then they cite Tom Woods, but I've never heard Tom Woods even talk about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I certainly agree with that last part. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, Tom is bad on any of that stuff. Cantwell, I think, um, uh, you know, I don't know that much about him. I've done his show once. Um, you know, he's nice enough to me, but I think he's always cultivated the persona of, you know, hardcore right winger, at least personally in terms of, you know, his culture and his beliefs, if not in terms of what he thinks government ought to do to people. But I admit that I don't know very much about him. Uh, or what his positions are on that. I, I think, and Molyneux, I don't pay any attention to Molyneux, honestly, man. You know, I don't know, I don't know what his point is or ever was really other than pay attention to him. Uh, the, the worst stuff I know about race in the libertarian movement, I think, is, at least in the past, there has been an affinity for Charles Murray and all his pseudo-scientific, you know, racial IQ stuff. Uh, within the Beltway yeah, yeah. establishment libertarians. Um, but, you know, uh, I just don't pay any attention to that stuff. It's all so stupid. And it's also contrary to individualism. It's sort of, 
it's baffling to me. I know, right? <laughs> Actually, you know what I mean? I think anybody who's lived more than a couple of decades on this planet knows people who are way better and different than their parents. So what does that tell you? It tells you that it doesn't matter who your parents are or who your grandparents are. Everybody's an individual and they are who they are. And, and, you know, if MLK was a socialist on everything, it really doesn't matter because even white people love him because he's the one who said, don't y'all want to live up to your own slogan? That everybody's an individual born free, and then they went, yeah, <laughs> you know. So that's where I am too, dude. Is you know on that uh, character, not skin color yeah, just, attitude. It just, it just, just it seems real painting, you know, like this because I think a lot of people are being drawn into the the word and some of the ideas from the from that far right, and that kind of scares me, you know. Well, and this is, you know, it's eight years into Democrats in power, right? So the populist right is getting bigger and bigger and has been. And, and you know, there's there's some overlap in terms of interests and subject matters and in terms of common enemies. There was a time when the libertarians got along with the neocons back in the 70s on issues of welfare reform and this kind of thing. Maybe not even really realizing the devil that they were dealing with then and... You know, I think this would be one benefit of having right wingers in power would be, well, it's wrong to say push them to the left, but in a sense to push libertarians back to the left and especially on the most important issues in terms of priorities like the empire and that kind of thing. I'm yeah. sick and tired of, of everybody boohoo crying about Mexican immigrants. I mean, for crying out loud, especially, you know, I'm from Texas and you know, everything to the west of here, this was all Mexico and conquered. And everybody, every Mexican who had property rights was run off his land by the local, uh, you know, judicial system and whatever. This is all conquered territory anyway. So it's pretty hard to cry about Mexicans coming and, and then doing what? Living next door to you or standing in line next to you at the store or whatever the problem is. I'm not sure. I can't stand that stuff though, honestly. I gotta say. All right. Well, hey, man. So thanks for the call. I hope I somewhat answered your question. Mostly, I don't know, but I'm against all that stuff personally. Yeah, no, me too. I just I was wondering if you had any observations, if you noticed it, saw it. Because, like I said, I've been noticing, like, they've been getting their, their listenership has been growing quite a bit and quite fast. And to me, it's pretty scary for the movement or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, you know. I don't know, man. I, I, uh, just like with the Libertarian Party, I really don't have that much to do with the Libertarian movement. And, and I find myself less and less interested in all the great Libertarian arguments. I mean, before at least I would be interested in reading Anthony Gregory's take on every argument under the sun or whatever. But mostly now I just want to try to find out what's going on with the wars and just, just oppose them and hate them all. And, and, uh, I mean, the state and what it's doing and kind of, you know, I hope libertarians are listening, but I'm not. I'm not really ingrained very deep in the movement at this point. I don't guess. Fair enough. Well, you do great work. Thank you very much, Scott. Thanks very much for calling, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, hey, uh, there's a uh, phone number here is five one two two seven one forty eight thirty six five one two two seven one forty eight thirty six. Hey, I'm Scott. You're on. Hey, Scott. Uh... I just wanted to ask you a couple things. I didn't really get it. didn't want to upset my stomach last night watching the debate, but I got an idea from some of the 
Twitter reactions that the focus on the military was that it was gutted and that it was just weak and it needs to be rebuilt, quote unquote. And I was reading recently that the Philippines has just allowed the United States military to use eight more bases, something along those lines. And coincidentally, I guess the rise of ISIS has been spotted in the Philippines as well. And I just didn't know what you thought of, you know, with the focus on China and they're saying that's why the United States military needs to be there to help keep the South China Sea open. And then with Mm -hmm. the coincidental rise of ISIS in that area as well, does the military really need to be rebuilt? Is it gutted like they said last night? No, it's absolutely not gutted at all. I mean, the Oh, man. God dang, music's playing. All right, well, I'll have to address your, your questions on the other side of the break. But, no, the sequestration was uh, hardly anything. And as far as Islamist rebels in the Philippines and the bases, I think you're right on that those don't have anything to do with each other other than one is the excuse for the other. But uh, more about that on the other side of this break. And your calls, too, 512-271-4836. This part of the Scott Horton Show is sponsored by Audible.com. And right now, if you go to audibletrial.com slash Show, you can get your first audiobook for free. Of course, I'm recommending Michael Swanson's book, The War State, The Cold War Origins of the Military-Industrial Complex and the Power Elite. Maybe you've already bought The War State in paperback, but you just can't find the time to read it. Well, now you can listen while you're out marching around. Get the free audiobook of The War State by Michael Swanson, produced by Listen and Think Audio at audibletrial.com slash Show. Hey, I'll Scott Horton here for Liberty.me, the great libertarian social network. They've got all the social media bells and whistles. Plus, you get your own publishing site, and there are classes, shows, books, and resources of all kinds. And I host two shows on Liberty.me. I on the Empire with Liberty.me's Chief Liberty Officer Jeffrey Tucker every other Tuesday, and The Future of Freedom with FFF founder and president Jacob Hornberger every Thursday night, both at 8 Eastern. When you sign up, add me as a friend on there, scotthorton.liberty.me. Be free. Liberty.me. All right, kids, welcome back. All right, cool. So we got a few callers hanging on the line. You could join up, too. I should do this more often, right? You guys like doing the calls, right? I like it. Um, The phone number is 512-271-4836, and uh, the current caller on hold. Uh, the question was, is it really true, like the Republicans say, that the military has been gutted? under the Obama administration, and then secondly, uh, what's the deal with the um, expansion of America's naval presence or reintroduction of America's uh, naval presence uh, in the Philippines? What does that have to do with the China pivot and or with uh, fighting so-called Islamic State affiliates uh, there in the Philippines? So, uh, first of all, Obama has passed bigger military budgets than anyone ever, and that's including adjusting for inflation, other than and that excluding uh, at the height of World War II, but maybe even one of the years of World War II's budget would be, you know, equaled there. Um, but he beats Reagan and he beats George W. Bush for military spending. Barack Obama does. And the sequestration was, you know what, i got to be honest with you, I don't know exactly... Um, you know, what the reduction was, but it was a slight reduction in the rate of increase of the growth of military spending. And this is, you could ask Ron Paul about any cut in the history of D.C., and he will tell you all they ever mean is a decrease in the projected rate of growth. And so 
you know, none of this ever hurt anything. The generals can and, and admirals or whatever can scream and cry all they want as they churn out brand new ships, brand new aircraft carriers, F-22s and F-35s, brand new rings of global bases throughout Middle East, North Africa, and well, throughout Africa altogether. If uh, you're up on your Nick Terse, they can pivot to China, reinvade Iraq and do all of this, expand NATO to Russia's door, and they're doing that while... The entire empire is just gutted. The poor, helpless military and CIA, they're hardly able to overthrow, you know, more than 10 governments a year or whatever it is we're supposed to believe. It's completely insane. Um, and then now, as far as the Philippines, that's the heart of the empire going back 100 years, uh, 120. Uh, that's That's a big part of it. Oh, wait, another thing on the the sequestration, well, and this ties into the whole thing, this is the good segue, is who's America up against in the Pacific? Not the Japanese Navy, which actually America took care of pretty handily, uh, if you go back and check how it worked. I mean, not without casualties, but... Um, but there's nothing like the Imperial Japanese Navy in the Pacific. Nothing like what could ever be that. I mean, if China decided they were now going to devote some huge, substantial portion of their GDP to just building a navy for the next 10 years or 20 years or something, maybe, you know, but it, there's no reason for any of that. It, you know, if anything, it'd be American policy. In fact, we know this, right? When Bill Clinton sailed the, the Seventh Fleet, uh, in between Taiwan and and China during the naval exercises in 1997, according to Doug Bandow, the brilliant genius best on all of this stuff, um, that was when the Chinese decided, boy, we better beef up our navy, and they that was the very beginning of the creation of their Blue Water Navy, and their which is still very small, and and the expansion of their navy, which is basically a true defense force, a a, a coast guard. Uh, to preserve their independence rather than any kind of global, you know, naval position like America has with, is it 22 carrier battle groups right now that rule, you know, all four oceans and the seven seas and everything else. So, um, you know, I'm just, uh, I can't stand to hear that kind of crying. Um, and, and now, so the pivot to the Philippines with all of those naval ships is to contain China, to guarantee that the entire Pacific may, you know, stay an American lake forever. And, uh, you know, John Glazer, remember John Glazer used to uh, write for antiwar.com and then went over to Cato. Well, he wrote a recent thing for the national interest about how, you know, we see how this happens with the rise and fall of great powers, that if the previous power wants to make a fight out of it, they can. But he's saying, you know, we don't have to. We can absolutely accommodate the rise of China's legitimate power uh, in a way where it's everything is mutually beneficial here. There's no reason we have to have a conflict. It'll only be a conflict if the Americans make it one or, you know, refuse to negotiate with the Chinese. It's not like they're going to invade and conquer Japan and the Philippines and Korea and take all their possessions, shut off all the sea lanes or any of these kinds of things, right? These are, you know, Trump crowd fantasies that have no basis in, in actual reality. But if you go back and read Foreign Affairs and Hillary Clinton and her big piece about the China pivot, you can see who's really responsible for all of the the increase in tensions here is coming from our side. So, how's that? Well, that's a, an exquisite answer to something that you get a lot of disinformation on, especially in like a debate last last night where I guess Donald Trump just continues to 
say everything he wants to about China and doesn't really know what it is that he's saying. So yep. I appreciate your your candor, and it was it's impressive, and I just can't thank enough what you just got. Thank you so much, sir. Cool. Well, thank you very much for calling, man. I really appreciate it. And we do have one, uh, time for one more before the break here. So, uh, oops. Sorry. Oh, yeah, hey, there Scott. we go. Hey, I'm Scott. Welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. It's Fitz from out in San Francisco. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, at least I wasn't until watching the debate last night. I got to say, I haven't been depressed in, his, <laughs> in a while, and I don't, you know, I don't really give those things much credit anyway. But uh, Something to I see with it. Not one of those. Yeah, well, I was going <laughs> to talk about uh, the Hillary's uh, diminishing chances, but I was going to say also what you were just talking about. It's pretty depressing that you know the Republicans don't even try to give lip service to like cutting spending nowadays. I mean, I thought like the the talking point that I was reading yesterday is just waiting for them that that uh, Obama's actually increased uh, increased the debt more than every other president combined, going back to George Washington. Yet, uh, you know, not one of them even mentions that because I'm sure they'll just you know they're going to increase the spending just as much. Right? They don't. Need, <laughs> they they, they uh, hadn't even considered that being a useful talking point. Wait, are we opposed to that? Wait, are we for pretending to be opposed yeah. to that? Yeah, they're following the, the Cheney mantra of you know budget deficits don't matter. But uh, but I, one thing I was going to point out with uh, going back to Hillary, like at least one bright side, and, and I guess it's a bright side. I mean, who knows who will be worse? But uh, I mean, I think Hillary could you know it's just still I think the worst possible outcome. Of it. But I was reading a good Lou on Lou Rockwell's blog yesterday. He linked to a Zero Hedge article on Hillary's chances that you know went into all the the uh, statistics of it, you know, comparing back to her 2008 race and everything, and it's. And it looks like, I mean, she's, you know, pretty much dead in the water here where what, what people don't realize is that, you know, that, that uh, back then, you know, she had more than one other candidate going against her. So all the anti-Hillary vote back then was uh, divided between other candidates, whereas now, now it's all Bernie. She's just getting killed, in, especially with New Hampshire being, you know, Bernie's home, home territory. So right. I, I, I'm not as worried about her uh, even picking up the nomination. I'll tell you the truth. I think... Uh, I think the anti-Hillary crowd is their vote is going to going to really backfire against her. I know it, man. And you know what? I mean, you're just totally proving my case. Like I was making earlier, you just make it better than I do about how unelectable she is. This fable that these Democrats have sold themselves and each other about what a strong candidate she is. And you know, in fact, I, on Saturday Night Live, for some reason, I saw a Saturday Night Live clip where they had her character saying. Well, you know, Obama was a cool black guy, but now I don't there's I'm not up against a cool black guy, so this time it should be easy. You know, something like that. And she's right. Bernie, Bernie Sanders is not a cool black guy. He's a nebishy old Jewish guy. Um and yet and, and he's not even authentic, but he seems authentic enough and in a way that makes her just completely laughable. And and it's enough. She is such a weak candidate that even someone who explicitly labels himself a socialist is a far stronger candidate than she is going into this primary. It's really something to see. And it's hard for me to really, really, you know, I can't even think out why why is she worse than him? I mean, I I just don't like her, I guess, just from years of hating hating her uh, to do that. But when I think about it, I mean, yeah, Bernie, he's not much better. I mean, he's going to be just as pro-Israel as her. He's going to be just as... Well, you, you know, know what I mean, it is? It's, it's, it's only personal. I mean, that's what it is. You're right. His voting record, his voting record is absolutely as bad as hers, or maybe not absolutely, but damn near as bad as hers. But what it is, is he's not a ruthless son of a bitch, right? He doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, an entire house full of skeletons the way she does. And she's got 50 scandals. And she's just such a horrible bastard and has been for her entire career, going back to getting thrown off the, the, uh, Nixon impeachment committee 
for for lying. <laughs> so, and that's what she has on on Sanders is a reputation of just being a devil. And he seems like meh, mm-hmm. even though his voting record, as you say, is horrible. Right back, y'all. After this, thanks, Fitz. Hey, I'm Scott Horton here to tell you about this great new book by Michael Swanson, The War State. In The War State, Swanson examines how Presidents Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy both expanded and fought to limit the rise of the new national security state after World War II. This nation is ever to live up to its creed of liberty and prosperity for everyone. We are going to have to abolish the empire. Know your enemy. Get The War State by Michael Swanson. It's available at your local bookstore or at Amazon.com in Kindle or in paperback. Just click the book in the right margin at ScottHorton.org or TheWarState.com. Hey, all Scott here. If you like me, you need coffee. Lots of it. And you probably prefer it tastes good, too. Well, let me tell you about Darren's Coffee Company at DarrensCoffee.com. Darren Marion is a natural entrepreneur who decided to leave his corporate job and strike out on his own, making great coffee. And Darren's Coffee is now delivering right to your door. Darren gets his beans direct from farmers around the world. All specialty, premium grade, with no filler. Hey, the man just wants everyone to have a chance to taste this great coffee. DarrensCoffee.com. Use promo code Scott and you get free shipping. DarrensCoffee.com. All right, y'all, welcome back to the show. I'm Scott Horton. It's my show, the Scott Horton Show. Yeah, it is fun, the demise of Hillary and Jeb. I don't want to speak too soon about them, but it's at least fun to watch them squirm. All right, so, uh, hey, listen, if you guys want to get in on all the fun we're having here with the phone calls, the phone number is 512-271-4836, 512-271-4836. 4836, and we got one caller on hold here, been patiently waiting for quite a while. Hey, I'm Scott. Welcome to the show. Hi, my name's Angela. I'm calling from West Hollywood. Hey, how's things? Hey, um, trying to foment revolution out here. Hey, uh, I was, um, one of your first callers was talking about, I think you guys had mentioned a bit about, uh, racialism, and you talked about Charles Murray, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of connections to the Beltway libertarianism. The libertarians didn't just collaborate in the 70s with the neocons. They also collaborated on on mass with the neoconservatives on political on the anti PC crusades of the early 90s. I was a teenager, and I was very, that's when I became active in anti censorship crusades. And it was a horrible, horrible mistake. And they all did it. Reason Magazine, Cato Institute, and all the proto things involving um, you know Rockwell and Rothbard. And this had horrible implications for the anti-war movement, because the PC crusades, as ever righteous as it seemed, and were of course free speech—that's an obvious and a given—but aligning ourselves with that, the later those the neoconservatives used, of course, the PC, the anti-PC crusades, and eventually flipped things around to make it impossible to organize on campus against Israeli apartheid. It was really, really stupid. It dragged the libertarian movement down, and it really held back our anti-war efforts. And it's something that really should have been confronted head-on. But the libertarian movement has rewritten its history to make it look like the Cato Institute and Reason Magazine were some kind of anti-racial crusaders, when in fact they were among the most worst about bringing in people like Charles Murray and David Horowitz and a lot of these real nut jobs that have really ruined and kind of solidly the reputation of the libertarian movement and made it impossible for us to really properly align with the left on war issues. So, I mean, it, is, it was kind of a serious issue, and the racism issue is a problem, not because we need to be PC and sensitive and touchy-feely, but because it's impossible not to talk about race when you're trying to talk about empire. Right. Yeah, no, you're so, absolutely right. And a bunch of so-called race realists don't have much of a leg to stand on to point out how much of the American empire is based on the idea that 
Arabs are children of a lesser god, and you can kill them if you want to. Right. So anyway, um, but anyway, thanks for this amazing show, and uh, I'm going to go back to listening. Well, thanks, Angela, for calling. I really appreciate it. All right. you, got, you guys okay. can tell. Oh, Bye. Yeah. Uh, Angela spent her whole life in the libertarian movement. That's it, the great Angela Keaton from AntiWar.com. Spent her whole life in the libertarian movement uh, and has taught me so much about it and, you know, the, the past history of it and all of that. And, yeah, you know, I mean, and it's easy to see why libertarians, especially if they come from the right, uh, are going to knee-jerk real hard against the left. If you're, yeah, I think, well, I don't know, I can't really speak for you guys, but for me, I just feel absolutely equal distant, equidistant from the left and the right in, in virtually every way or whatever. You know, sometimes some of the things they say coincide with some of the things I say, but even then, usually for the wrong reasons, kind of whatever. I, I can't, I can't really pick sides in that, but I can see. Believe me, I can sympathize with having such contempt for the left that you think it must be whatever everybody always says is the opposite of that. And the same thing for liberals, you know, rebelling against the right. I'm just a libertarian, hate all y'all bastards. But, um, you know, there's a lot wrong with PC. But the problem is, it's only because it's the right thing gone way, way too far. If the if the first premise is, hey, a decent respect for the lives of other human beings, I think we can agree with that, <laughs> right? It's just the uh well, I don't I don't need to rehearse the ridiculousness for you, you know, when it goes uh, completely off the rails there. But yeah, so what's the bigger empire? The racist, bigoted, murderous, blood soaked, face it, right wing American military empire or a bunch of busybodies and turtlenecks, you know, annoying you a lot. I don't know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't reduce their harm to, to such a little bit because there's a, there's a lot of it, but yeah, no, I'm with Angela, man. We got to be consistent. And if we're consistent on our individualist human rights principles that we hold, then there's not going to be much of anything for the right and the left to hold against us. Us real libertarians are better than the left and the right on everything that they're actually even slightly good on. So the only time they ought to be able to criticize us is when they're completely stupid and wrong and say things like, oh, yeah, the libertarians want us helpless before the Iranian ISIS caliphate of doom or whatever, right? We can take those criticisms because they're hilarious and wrong. But, uh, yeah, anyway. But that's the problem of being a movement. That's the problem with being part of the libertarian movement. A movement of individualists who disagree with each other on everything. Uh, even the non-aggression principle, I guess. There's a whole non-aggression, an anti-non-aggression principle movement going on inside the libertarian movement now. Is that right? Bah, humbug. Who knows? Who cares? I read, this is why I spend my time just on the news and accusing my government of the worst things that it's doing. That's my best way to promote libertarianism is applying libertarian principles to the behavior of the government that I live under and am supposedly responsible for. So, anyway. 
whether that speaks to anything good about the rest of the libertarian movement or not, I guess I'll let you commies decide. You know, I don't know. It's interesting, though, man. You know, Walter Block uh, once said that uh, whenever he asks, you know, in a libertarian audience, did you guys come from the right or the left? It's virtually never the left. It's almost always the right, which is interesting to me that, you know, conservatives could abandon. They, they believe so deeply in, in so much horrible stuff that they have to get over to be a libertarian. Like, maybe I don't hate and fear China, even though I thought I did this whole time. Jeez. The libertarians say that that makes me a pansy. <laughs> I ought to knock it off. Wow, huh? You know, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance there. But I guess, you know, if you start with capitalist economics and you just apply some consistency, even a libertarian, even a conservative brain can be made to understand. It's more surprising to me that, uh, and so that's actually understandable about how many right-wingers become libertarians, I guess, in a way, when I look at it, you know? They start with hating the IRS and then they just, you know, from there they go to hating everything the IRS funds or whatever, you know? But it seems to me like we ought to have a lot more liberal converts. Oh, what the hell was I doing believing in statist means to accomplish my liberal ends? That doesn't make any sense, does it? To hire the conservative police state to make everything equal and fair. That's stupid, right? Anyway, <laughs> we'll be right back after this. More calls. 512-271-4836. 512-271-4836. Hey, I'll Scott Horton here for MPV Engineering. This isn't for all of you, but for high-end contractors specializing in industrial construction and end users who own and operate industrial equipment. MPV offers licensed professional consulting on chemical and mechanical engineering for your projects. Tanks, pressure vessels, piping, heat exchangers, HVAC equipment, chemical reactors for oil companies or manufacturing facilities, as well as project management support and troubleshooting for those implementing designs. MPV will get your industrial project up and running. Head over to MPVEngineering.com. Hey, all Scott Horton here to tell you about this great new ebook by longtime Future Freedom author Scott McPherson. Freedom and Security, the Second Amendment and the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. This is the definitive principled case in favor of gun rights and against gun control. America is exceptional. Here the people come first, and we refuse to allow the state a monopoly on firearms. Our liberty depends on it. Get Scott McPherson's Freedom and Security, the Second Amendment and the Right to Keep and Bear Arms on Kindle at Amazon.com today. All right, you guys, welcome back. I'm Scott Horton. It's my show, Scott Horton Show. It's Friday, right? Yeah. So this weekend, I'm going to do everything I can, seriously, to finish the book proposal. I'm way behind on it, man. I've been kind of writer's blocky on it, but I'm going to knock the hell out of that thing this weekend and then send it on to Tom and then maybe make some progress here on that. Um, got one caller on hold and uh, could do more. I'm having fun. You guys liking doing the calls and listening to the calls and doing the calls? I probably should question the caller more instead of talking so much, huh? Not that practiced at it. Uh, the number is 512-271-4836. 512-271-4836. Hey, I'm Scott. You're on. Hey, Scott. Uh, thanks for, so much for taking my call, and thanks for everything you do. Sure really thing. appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Um, thanks. Um, so this uh, the conversation you had with other callers today about uh, you know the left and the right, 
uh, has got me thinking because I actually uh, did kind of come out of the left. Um, I kind of belong to certain, you know, demographics that, you know, have kind of fallen in with uh, being, you know, the so-called base of, you know, the Democratic Party, um, things like that. And, you know, I, I think um, what you said was interesting, um, you know, why a lot seem to come out of the right more so. Um, and it is it's something I've been thinking about a lot. You know, why exactly do um, leftists tend to, you know, not not want to get into, like, the economic side of things, and they kind of feel they're kind of always attached to that. And so I was kind of curious about if you've ever had any success with um, trying to get leftists to, uh, you know, come more over to the libertarian side, you know, even those, um, because I was so appreciative of your show, you know, coming at the anti-war perspective from a non-leftist point of view, because it seems like the only ones you can find are really out of the left, and, you know, they spend all their time complaining about guns and wanting to ban guns and wanting socialized medicine and everything else. Um so, yeah, do you have any um, success with, you know, the left? Um, and what, what uh, you know, specific reasons do you think there are why it seems like less leftists come, you know, over yeah. to the libertarian side of things? Great questions, man. Great questions. Um, uh, and all day long, actually, you know, as, as uh, Embers of Liberty is saying in the chat room, calls have been great today, and this is certainly no exception to that. Uh, the answer is yeah. Uh, I have had some success with leftists, and I know that from my emails. And I guess what's funny is mostly what I think of is driving my cab, because I'm from Austin, and so you know I'd be driving my cab, talking politics with people. And my attitude is always, in fact, at the Tenth Amendment Center, they made this the Horton Rule. Can you imagine a rule named after me? Not a freedom, a rule. And the rule is, you attack the left from the left, and you attack the right from the right. So if you're dealing with a right-winger, then you point out how you're way more against the IRS than they are. They're some kind of communist compared to you. You know, from each according to his ability to each according to his security needs. Who are you, Karl Marx or something? How can you support the local sheriff's department, you pinko? And then, um, and that's a pretty extreme example, but you get what I mean. And then um, as far as the left, you know, at the beginning and the middle and the end of the day, we ought to be at least better than the left on human rights and more consistent and and uh, and have a history of going back and being consistent and not flip flopping around the way that they do. And, you know, I would argue because I am a libertarian, it's why I'm a libertarian. I think that, you know, the modern liberal argument really doesn't make much sense, or especially like a leftist argument doesn't make much sense. It never really has. Create a dictatorship of the powerless so that they can make everything equal and fair, and then we'll all be free once all the equality and fairness kicks in or whatever. Like, this is the communist fantasy that... Just taken on the face of it is completely ridiculous. But the thing of it is, is I agree with the part about the withering away of the state. I just don't think building a totalitarian dictatorship is a way to wither the state away. Right. That's completely contradictory on its face. If you want to wither the state away, stop being the demand for its supply. You know, they say they provide you security services. Fine. But does that mean that you can't provide, you know, find security services on the market or provide for your own? You really have to call 911 every single time 
something is not exactly perfect in your neighborhood, or maybe there's other solutions. You know, you need an education. Maybe you can go to the Khan Academy instead of taking out a giant government loan to put you through school. Uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then without them, you know, what, what true liberal who really believes in humanity would really argue that without a central apparatus to force everyone to get along, they just won't and can't, right? That we could never take, we could never set up a fraternal organization large enough under freedom that it could make sure that the, the poorest and most needy get medical care or something like that. Like who would swear that that is a truth that, that free people could never provide for the needy. I just don't think any real liberal challenged along those lines has a leg to stand on. You know, every, if everybody who claims that we got to have social security for the old and whatever, if they would just chip in a few bucks each themselves voluntarily, that would more than cover it. Right. So what do they need to extort everybody else for? And, you know, so that's my whole thing. And then also, of course, attack them on the wars. You know, if the liberals are the ones who got it figured out, how come they're against Iraq, but they're for Libya or whatever it is? How come they flip flop all around based on whoever their political heroes are using drones to kill? It's because they don't really have principle. And and in fact, their principle where they do have it is really wrong. Their principle is that government can solve these problems. And obviously, George W. Bush, that stupid ass, can't solve them because he's a stupid ass. But if you get our guy you know, the uh, very intelligent and handsome person that we prefer, then obviously he can make the world right. That's what government's for, making the world right. And so, you know, that's their principle, and it's proven wrong. You look at what their government's up to, just like Martin Luther King said back then, like you hear at the top of the second hour of this show every day, the U.S. government is the greatest purveyor of violence on the face of the planet. Are you sure you need them you sure that without them, we'd all just be helpless before, you know, whatever worse tyranny would be coming? I mean, what do they think? The Italian mob is going to take over and burn all our businesses down? Or what do they think is going to happen if we don't have this state? And you know what else? Here's, well, this is more of a right-wing argument. Hit him with Hans Hermann Hoppe, who says that there's no such thing as national defense. Not in this country. There sure as hell isn't. It's offense. It's a government program. What kind of fights can we get into? That's what the CIA's for. That's what the military's for. It's never been about protecting the American people. It's always been about finding excuses to hold their jobs, just like any other bureaucrats. And coming from someone like Hoppe, you can't really call him a pinko or a commie, something like that. So that's a great kind of argument to use to attack the right is just what a big government program all the militarism is and how it fails in all the same ways and fails upwards in all the same ways as all the government programs that right-wingers claim that they hate. But anyway, so that's my attitude. It doesn't always work. I have flipped the commie right over before and just said, you know, look, your problem isn't capitalistic acts between consenting adults your problem is the corporate state the warfare state the police state the the state and then the, i've had legit communists say you know the truth is that you're right you know if if um as, as the saying goes on the left that uh, if capital you know capitalism and democracy don't mix i say get rid of democracy 
What are you going to do? Get rid of private ownership of property and and uh, you know decisions by those owners about what they're going to do with that property, where they want to invest it, what they want to do. We want to end to that system, or we want an end to the system where one percent can fool fifty one percent into supporting their tyranny on any issue at any given time, like what we got now. That's the problem that we have. Is you know, the it's always the most powerful corralling the most into doing the worst. Hey, Al Scott here. Ever wanted to help support the show and own silver at the same time? Well, a friend of mine, libertarian activist Arlo Pignati, has invented the alternative currency with the most promise of them all. QR Silver Commodity Discs. The first ever QR code, one ounce silver pieces. Just scan the back of one with your phone and get the instant spot price. They're perfect for saving or spending at the market. And anyone who donates $100 or more to The Scott Horton Show at scotthorton.org slash donate gets one. That's scotthorton.org slash donate. And if you'd like to learn and order more, send them a message at commoditydiscs.com or check them out on Facebook at slash commoditydiscs. And thanks. Hey, all Scott here for Samurai Tech Academy at MasterSamuraiTech.com. Modern appliance repair requires true technicians who can troubleshoot their high-tech electronics. If you're young and looking to make some real money, or you've been at it a while and just need to keep your skills up to date, Samurai Tech Academy teaches it all. And they'll also show you the business, how to own and run your own. Take a free sample course to see how easily you can learn appliance repair from MasterSamuraiTech.com. Use coupon code Scott Horton for 10% off any course or set of courses at MasterSamuraiTech.com. All right, so welcome back. Well, cool, man. What a great uh, Friday show of calls it's been. Twice this week we've had uh, really good call-in shows. I dig it. Um, and now, caller, are you still on the line? Um, yeah, I'm still on. Yeah, I still got you. Okay, good deal. So, yeah, um, so I-, I wanted to clarify. You said you came from the left and you're more of a libertarian now. Is that right? Yeah, definitely, definitely in line with, um, you know, everything I've read thus far on, um, you know, Austrian economics and everything else. So what was it that really got you to say, well, wait a minute, maybe I ain't a liberal after all, and I need to take a look at this stuff? Um, I would definitely say um, the military-industrial complex issues. Um, I just totally saw um, the complete hypocrisy of the left, um, you know, post-Bush. You know, it seemed like, I remember... I was only in, like, middle school 10 years ago. I remember everyone coming out just hating Bush so much, um, you know, supposedly over Iraq and everything else. But then all of a sudden, you know, once Obama came in, it's like all was forgiven, and they didn't care anymore about killing children, about, you know, throwing away all our, you know, tax money on new, you know, aircraft carriers every so often. And um, it just bothered me, and it still does, how much... um, how much they're just willing to gloss over it, you know, um, and just pay attention to uh, their pet issues, you know, not to say they're not important things, but, you know, the the feminist things and gay rights things, and that's all they seem to care about. And, um, and anytime you try to bring up, you know, military, you know, evil <laughs> and corruption, they just, you know, have some excuse. It's the Republicans' fault somehow. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of um, exotic. You know, shown in the way uh, I live in Seattle, which is, you know, it loves to tell, you know, tell everyone how wonderfully liberal they are. But ironically, they're one of the more militarized places I've lived in. Um, You know, they have Boeing. Boeing is like their lord and savior, uh, sponsors everything in the city. Uh, They have a joint base, Lewis McCord, 
Um, every time there's, you know, so-called cuts to uh, that base, they complain about, oh, our jobs, you know, losing our jobs with uh, the base. So it's just a very, um, very odd thing for me to see, you know, people who I, you know, growing up, looking back at, you know, the 60s and whatever, you know, it seemed like the left was supposed to be that the anti-war group, but now it's like they don't care. So, I mean, they're no better than um, the right, you know, the neocons, really. Um, and you even have the, you know, the so-called humanitarian interventionists now on the left who make, uh, who try to dress up intervention as being a uh, liberal value, so to speak. Um, so those are, that, that is definitely my main uh, issue that drove me from left. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, uh, Bolda just called it in the chat room. He says, another of those shakeout converts that Scott talks about, and that's, I guess, has been my term for it, where whenever, uh, whoever's in power, people a lot of times, especially young people, they define their beliefs and ideology in opposition to the current regime, whatever it is. And then when the, when we switch from Republican to Democrat or Democrat to Republican, and then they see the hypocrisy of their own side. There's on the margin, you. There's there are people who will be pushed right out of the movement. The ones who who shake out and say, "Now wait a minute, damn it! I'm more beholden to the principles I believed in a minute ago than the people who pretended to believe in them with me, who no longer are abiding by that." And unfortunately, you're the very tiny minority. But you're the you're the shakeout. You're you're what. And, and the same thing's going to happen as soon as, you know, Jeb gets in there and whatever. And a bunch of guys who've kind of grown up in opposition to Obama, defining their politics as kind of right populist and anti-government, are going to find out that, oh, my God, the right-wing populists worship Bushes when they're in power. Jesus, you guys stink so bad. It's unbelievable. And, yeah, worse than Obama bots by a thousand times. Oh, my God, I'm having day nightmares right now of the year 2002. You just can't know how bad they are. And and so there will be libertarians who who thought they were right wing populists, but then realize that, whoa, these conservatives are actually messed up. And the people who, again, are consistent and now hate Jeb just as much as they hated Obama a few minutes ago or whoever it is, um, you know, maybe they deserve a little bit of my attention and we'll get some shakeout from them. And that's just how we proceed slowly in building our movement is just to show, you know, the things that these two parties and two philosophies, really, liberalism and conservatism as defined in America nowadays, you know, loosely, um, that the things that they have in common are the very worst things about them. That the centrists are not the moderates. They're moderate in the sense that they get along with each other in a bipartisan way. But they're the extremists. They're the ones who would, who are the revolutionaries, really, who would upend not just our society, but the whole damn world in order to have their way. And um, so, you know, I think the worse they are, unfortunately, I, I won't gloat about it like Rahm Emanuel or Condoleezza Rice. I'll just say the silver lining in in this horror is that more and more people wake up to the cause of liberty. I'll say one more thing to you about this left and right stuff too, caller, which is that um, there's an argument to be made and all this is, you know, labels are just labels. They're useful to the degree they're useful, but there's an argument and it's made especially, I think uh, very well in the essay left and right, the prospects for liberty by Murray Rothbard, 1968 left and right. 
the prospects for liberty. And this is Mr. Libertarian, Mr. Individualist, the guy that wrote all the stuff that we all believe, basically. Um, and what he wrote in 68 was that all the way to the left is the individualist, anarchist, private property rights, capitalist, us, libertarians. And everything statist to any degree is moving to the right from that ultimately liberal position we are the ultimate of liberalism libertarianism absolute individual freedom and screw your exceptions that's us and then from there you move right now there are problems with that because you know the communists are really more statist than the fascists and you can't really call them right-wingers they really are more left-wingers um but yeah anyway it's still useful to a great degree, certainly in describing American politics. And what he's saying basically is that when the true liberals screwed everything up was when they abandoned liberalism for socialism, what we now call liberalism, but which is the adoption of the conservative means of using state power to achieve their desired liberal ends. And what ended up happening, of course, is the abyss stared back into them, and they've become a bunch of evil conservatives themselves. And so we're stuck with a bunch of left-right, progressive, statist conservatives, and then there's us. And so, and, and basically, you know, the system that they have created over the last 150 years is, in this country, is what Robert Higgs calls a participatory fascism. You really can't not call it fascism man it's fascism but you're right it's not built around el duce our greatest single alpha male leader of all or whatever but it's just the state itself in the position of the fascist leader we can still do pin the tail on the dumbass every four or eight years or whatever it is and and trade these guys out but it's the state itself has that position in our society because this is where the right and the left agree is that, you know, whatever the problem is, no matter the fact that they're the ones who almost always caused it, the power of the national government of the United States of America is the, you know, prescription for whatever ails us. And, you know, that is a, that's a heavy load to get out from under. But here's what I think we have going for us, as long as I'm babbling, is that very generally speaking, Americans believe that they believe in liberty. That is the part of America that's exceptional, is that to some great degree, before, or at some point, or in some ways at least, that we value liberty more than whatever nice happy ending someone would try to force. There are lines that we draw and say, no, you can't do that, man. The cops can't come in our homes unless a judge says for real reasons that he's accountable for, that there's real probable cause that they're going to find evidence of a crime in there, etc. like this. You know, we have these, which, you know, that, let's be frank about that. That means that guilty people get away with murder. When the cops can't just do what they want and search what they want, but it also means that the rest of us don't get searched all the time. Right? Sort of like the speed limits, right? 55 miles an hour, yeah, we'll save lives, but millions will be late. We have our our lines and we draw them and and um, I think from pretty much anybody's point of view, if you ask them to be consistent with the best things that they think, they'll have to admit that this is a state out of control. This is a government bigger than any government that's ever existed, and with so much power 
misused and abused on such a regular basis that if we believe in our own Bill of Rights, in the Constitution that created this crisis, then we got to be opposed to what it is that we have now. And and that ought to be left, right, and every non-voter and everyone else in between. That We're just not supposed to be an evil empire. We're supposed to be free. Hey, thanks, you guys. See you Monday.